Welcome to the Jamie Lee Ross Appreciation Society. You're a political man, and um, we're not. I'm not going to go right down the avenue of uh, Brian Tamaki's new party right oh, away. But I went on a bit of a tangent this morning. Um, Googling and Wikipediaing, basically. I uh, went down one of those rabbit holes you go down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... Uh, it made me realize how many Christian parties there are just... Yeah. Lying around that have, you know, th- this like this memorial of, of parties that were branched off from United Future or Mm-mm. Destiny in New Zealand. All these parties that Tomoki have uh, influenced or his people have made. Yeah. Well... Not all were tamaki because there was that one in the nineties. Uh, uh, what's what's that fellow's name? Um, Gordon something. Um, Are you talking about the Christian Democrats? Uh, I think it was Future? Christian Heritage. Oh yeah, yeah, Christian. And Heritage. that guy turned out to be um ah. very dodgy in a way that I, ah, I probably the, shouldn't talk the, about um because it would be profane live on the air. But he turned out to be very Sort of dodgy sexually and ended up. It was that uh, with children, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I, yeah, I, I won't go into the details. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, horrible stuff. But because yeah. people forget the roots of United Future, rest rests its deep soul. Um, we're in the Christian centrist electorate. Yeah, you know, Peter Dunn himself isn't that much of a of a religious man, but um, the party comes from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also came as part of the um. Oh, this MMP thing looks fun. Let's oh. try and uh, take as much advantage of it as we can. Well, because United Future was like the Walker jumping, uh, the Walker jumping um, project of many Labour and National MPs, if I'm correct. Yeah. Well, you had you had a split off from the National Party at the time, which was New yeah. Zealand First, and you had a split off from. Uh, Labour at the time, which was uh, uh, Jim Anderton and uh, his his various parties, but and don't forget the most important one, the Association of uh, Consumers and Taxpayers. Oh yes, yes, yes you had that. But United Future just seemed like a really not so much a split off or something founded on discontent as founded as a way to get people into Parliament. And I suppose some of the uh, Christian parties sort of. Sort of wanted to maybe ride in on those coattails. Um, well, if there's there's um, a great graph out there that shows, like, because you know, United was the party that split off with Peter Dunn, but then there was Future New Zealand, which was the Christian one of the many Christian parties, and that's they joined together and made United Future. That's what made me realise, you know, Damien Light, who is a name that probably twelve people are going to remember, um, who became the leader afterwards. Mm-hmm. Is probably the worst choice um, for leader following Peter Dunn of a party founded on centrist Christian principles. Him being a slightly liberal gay man, um, I didn't really understand that choice. But after doing about ten minutes of googling and reading some backpage blogs, I found out he was literally the only person, the only person oh, who goodness. could do the job. Oh, I don't remember much about him other than. People said he looked like some actor, and 
also that he got into a lot of really long um, internet arguments in some circles. My favourite moment of his, and I wish I could pull it up, but I don't have the timestamp, um, is when he was at the minor party debate for TV1, and they were talking about agricultural subsidies. You know, very exciting subject. And um, Corin was asking all the parties, "What do you, what do you think about the future of, of farming in New Zealand?" And everyone else had you know pretty politician answers, whether we're going to fund them more, or you know David said we're going to fund them less. Um, and Damien Light said, "Oh well, look." First, what you have to realise is that every industry changes. For example, we've got a $100 million gaming industry in New Zealand, and I think we should be putting our money towards industries that make money. So could you just reference gaming? Gaming? Yeah. Oh. Should have voted for him. He loves... Gamers rise up. Well, did you see... um, A little bit of a tangent, but did you see that the Green Party in Australia uh, put out a press release? Well, they put out their gaming policy. They said they were going to fund... They were going to give money to developers, Australian developers, and they were going to help elect gamers and people that make video games to Parliament to further increase the diversity of the House. Wow. Finally, a party that understands it. But wait, I thought... <laughs> Representing the most depressed minority. Yeah, but I thought that the um, the uh, Green Party in Australia, I assume it's like in New Zealand, they're all about... Um, Supporting the rights of women and minorities. Surely that would clash with uh, having a gamer uh, <laughs> presence. But uh, I don't know. The Greens in Australia are an, are an, are an interesting bunch. Um, they're a little bit different to ours. I think they're a little bit more fringe. You know, like the Greens yeah. here, people call them socialists, but they're really, you know, centre lefties who care about the bush a bit. Yeah. But the Greens in Australia are a bit wacky. Yeah. Well, I find a lot of the people with the Greens in New Zealand are. Nice, wacky. Like, mm. I'm, I'm not a green myself, but I, you know, I'll meet them and they'll be like, you know, nice old um, people from the Aro Valley who have, uh, who grow their own gardens, you know, very nice people. The greens in Australia have, they had some wild people standing as, uh, as candidates um, that have, you know, those ones that made all those, well, yeah, wasn't there, they made all those really sort of strange comments on social media that come back to haunt them in Australia and yeah I it's sort of um bit of a bit of a um I suppose it's because they have no they don't have as much of a presence in parliament as the New Zealand Green Party do because of that, the, yeah that's 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 true they only have a presence in the senate I think um, yeah no they have one senator and it's their leader I think they actually picked up a seat in the house, but what do you th- what do you what are your takes on the recent Australian election anyway? Hmm. Well, because um, well, you know, I only know from my New Zealand Labour friends, but the best way to explain how they feel is the screaming Wojak <laughs> meme. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't follow it too closely, but from what I saw, um, it seemed like there was a targeted effort to unseat politicians like Tony Abbott oh, and Peter Dutton. Rest in power. And, yeah, see you, Space Cowboy. Mm, and Barnaby Joyce and sort of notorious sort of uh, politicians on the Australian right. But, um, and I think that was sort of a misappropriation, perhaps, of money to funnel it into unseating a few people, um, especially, I, I don't see how they... 
a lot of them seem to be in fairly safe seats as well, which I also think was, um, yeah, it, it seemed like a very risky gamble, um, if it even was a gamble. But, um, yeah, but they did unseat Tony Abbott, so if that's what they wanted, I suppose, um, I suppose they got that. But, yeah, see you, Space Cowboy. Um, I have to... Uh First ever person in the world to talk about this, obviously. Um, just been sent a tweet from made by George Osborne, who is the... Uh, let me check the name of the paper, The former sorry. Chancellor of the Exchequer of the United Kingdom. Yes. And also Evening Standard Editor. Um, mm. And he's just said, he's shared an article as well that I'm not going to read right now. As explained in today's Evening Standard, uh, the Theresa May premiership is over. And reliably told she'll announce tomorrow she's stepping down on the 10th of June after US state visit. Oh, thank goodness. Well, you know, I can't say she was that inspiring. Yeah, I'll say it here. The British Tories are the most gutless, pathetic party that I have ever seen, in the, particularly in the aftermath of, uh, of Brexit. I mean, honestly... I, it's no wonder that they're about to be completely hammered in the European elections. I mean... But they, they, they've been being hammered in the European elections for a few years now, haven't they? I mean, they, they, have, they lost yeah. the majority to UKIP in 2014. Yeah, and now they're going to lose the um, majority to the Brexit party, which, which really is, is just UKIP. I think the Brexit party is more of a protest vote than UKIP because it has people like George Galloway... Uh, very strong left-wing figure on board, uh, alongside people like Anne Whittacombe, who's a former Tory minister. So I'd say it's more of a protest vote than UKIP, but it is, I think the base constituency of it is still the same. Mm. But I think You're it's skeptics. A, yeah, yeah, but I think it's um, probably broader because it's a protest vote. It's the, Bre- the Brexit party. Well do, you, well, do you think they have any sort of a... An actual future? No, not in Be- not in national elections. Because politics. I mean, UKIP's been around for years, but besides some success in the European election, they haven't really had any success at home. Yeah. So I always viewed them as a protest vote, just a continuous protest vote for mm. like twenty years. Yeah, o- um, obviously, um, in a large part because of um, FPP. I think in the twenty fifteen oh, yeah. election they got four million votes, um, but. I think I I can't see the Brexit party as a coalition that would stay together in an attempt to form a national government. I can see it as a coalition to protest the Tories selling out Brexit. But nothing um I don't think it would be I don't think that a um a Brexit party government would be possible. I don't think you could fit Nigel Farage and George Galloway and the same government, basically, and in Britain, as much as we'd uh, as we might like to see that, uh, but yeah. Well, what what is your take on Brexit anyway? Brexit. Um, well, I'm I was uh, for it during the referendum, but I think uh, I think that Parliament had a majority and still do, who don't want to leave the um 
EU because the the Tory party I think is a fundamentally a pro-European party. It was them who got oh yeah Britain into it yeah. and um I think it was um I mean look I I'd, I'd love it if if Britain did leave the EU um and I think um because I think the EU is fundamentally a um a negative uh a negative thing but um I I think it's uh I can't really see any. Um, I can't really argue for the EU, um, European unity as a concept aside. But I think that um, I think that what should have happened is that a party should have com- campaigned in a general election in Britain on a platform of leaving the EU, and if they'd won, then they would have had a um, then they would have had a Brexit Parliament, and it would have been, I think, much easier than when you have this soppy half and half out Tory yeah, party. Yeah, Tory party, and you have a—I mean, they have a, a, um, a leader of the Tory party who probably, who I think, voted to remain, but now says she wants to leave, and a leader of the Labour Party who I think probably voted to leave. And you know, but claimed to want to remain. I mean, it's a yeah, it's a pretty wild situation. I mean, I'm I'm actually quite a remainer myself, oh, yes. and um, I'm also not a fan. I'm I'm not really a fan of referendum in any sense, mm. and I don't think that a, I understand why Brexit was uh, a referendum in the first place. But I, th- I view it more as an economic issue, not as a constitutional issue. So I don't really see it as. Uh, needing a referendum i mean i wouldn't leave anyway but well i'm i'd have to say i have the opposite uh view on that because i think um probably the biggest threat of the eu to britain is that um european countries use civil code britain uses common law so i think there's a huge threat with the replacement of british law by um eu law i think that's a brit a a threat to the british constitution which is um as we all know, similar to the uh, New Zealand one, and um, so I think it's a, a the EU is a threat to freedom in that regard. I mean, I I I wouldn't um, I I I think if the if the UK like wanted to do a Norway option and keep the trade and yeah arrangements I mean, and that, but then reject I'm, EU law, I I think that would be a perfectly. I'm not too thing. worried about staying in the EU. I'm worried about staying in the single market. Mm, yeah. Because I think the single market is—it's basically like a gold mine for for an economy. You yeah. know, I and I think there's a few Brexit people who who try and deny that. Where it's like, yeah, I disagree that I, I sorry, I agree that the EU itself kind of trash, bad organization, but the market that it entails is something that you should try and stay in. And I know there's countries in Europe that do that, but there's also big fees that come with that as well. Yeah. Well, from what I've um. From what I've read, the Norwegian, the Norwegian option, and also I think the Swiss have it yeah, too, and, and yeah. some of the small states like uh, Liechtenstein. From what I've seen, it's generally been quite a success. So, I'd say if 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 I was a um, British statesman, I'd probably um, I'd probably be leaning towards that. But yeah. Uh, you know, it's up to them what they uh, what they want to do.
Yeah, I'm. I mean, yeah, I guess since they voted, I mean, I'm not gonna go against the the voice of the people. But my version of leaving would be, you know, leaving the EU, but staying in the single market. But I'm pretty sure the parliament has already voted no against an idea that was that, because I know they voted against no deal, you know, and then a soft deal and everything in between. Mm. I think Theresa was the one that brought the deal about staying in the single market. So I don't even know. Yeah. I think what's going to... I think a second referendum is inevitable at this point. I really feel like it's going to happen. Which is pointless, but... Yeah, well, I do think that is likely. And the EU does have a history of that, of uh, saying... Well, you know, with Ireland, Denmark, I think, and of saying, uh, we don't like the result vote again uh so i think um i wouldn't be surprised if they uh if they if the same happened with uh with britain but you know who knows i think yeah that's something that one of one or two options is inevitable another referendum or a snap election one of those two is going to happen you know because uh, but they've already there's already been a snap election over brexit so i don't know whether there would be another one it's a, it's a situation I'm glad we don't have to deal with. Yeah. I also don't... I, I still haven't um, forgiven Britain for leaving New Zealand in the dark trade-wise yes. after they joined the EU. Yes. Who was going to buy our butter, mm-hmm. Margaret? Yeah. Well, um, there was... They did have um, some uh, deal with it because the, um, the New Zealand trade negotiator at the time, uh, I think it was Jack Marshall, he... He went to Britain and he said, if you screw New Zealand over, I will go out to the reporters at um, outside and tell them what you did. And the uh, the British trade negotiators said, you wouldn't dare. And he said, just you watch me. And oh, yeah, that is they, um, Yeah, they didn't, uh, they didn't call his bluff. And uh, so New Zealand did get some deal uh, with it. I can't remember the exact details of it. But um, yeah, but always oh, like... Jack Marshall for that one. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation that sees no end. And I I mean I had a British flatmate who just hated it. You know I think that's the general mood of everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that's why so many people are voting. Or you know saying that they're going to vote Brexit Party now. Mm-hmm. It's because like I don't care what happens. Yeah, just stop talking about it. There was also the I I think it was. I don't actually think it was... Um, th- there was the issue of the Irish border and whether or not they'd have a soft or a hard border between um, between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. But they were saying stuff like, oh, they're going to... they're going to start killing each other again if we have a hard border. I mean, give me Yeah, I know. Um, the- not, not, that I, not that I trust him for much, but I know that Tony Blair has come out and said like look you can't there can't be a border between the north and the you know the republic of ireland mm. it's it's only going to break out in violence which i don't know how i don't think it will about that i but. don't think it will break out in violence because northern ireland has got to the point where they may be sort of two solitudes still as the uh, two communities but they don't want to i don't think they want to kill each other anymore particularly i I can't. I haven't seen any. Well, there was that um, recent 
killing, but I don't. It's nothing like in the um, in the seventies and eighties when they were. Um, there was that horrible business going on there. I I just I think that um, I think that uh, there'd need to be a much bigger change in Northern Ireland for uh, violence to break out again. Uh, I mean, for goodness sakes, the British Army was there the the last time. I mean, that's mm. the Britain Britain isn't deploying the army again to which is which you know was a huge factor in the uh, the whole thing. But yeah, I we're just going to cut to music, and mm-hmm. I got to go grab Tanif. Um, so we'll be right back after Dan Blank's uh, Dan Black's symphonies. Oh wow, we're back and we're joined by someone someone new. We're joined by Tanith. Tenara Koto Katoa. How are you, mate? Not too bad. How's it going, Jackson? Pretty good. And now, because you're here, we can jump into the topic of the day. Brian oh. Tomaki and his uh coalition party. Oh, yeah. the fine cherry on top. You wanna kick us off there? Throw me a beat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the kind of pe- beatings that in the past that Brian Tamaki has advocated for. So, w- 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 what's your thoughts? Well, to be honest, Brian Tamaki, you know, like, I'm going to put it quite straight, I don't think he has a shit show in hell, especially given the fact that Alfred Nardo is also deciding to run, but that's not precisely the point. When I think about Brian Tamaki, I just think that by extension, he's carrying on or is attempting to set himself up in the same way as many Māori prophets of the past. I mean, down to the fact that he actually calls himself prophet or bishop amongst other things because arising from those times when the treaty was otherwise rendered as a nullity you can see it in the way that he acts in the way that he draws his support it's basically like an extension of black power coupled with black pentecostalism or in this case maori pentecostalism coupled with a little bit of sectarianism there so you know you're drawing on those very elements those same ones that formed the gangs the church has become the gang you know it's a really interesting concept when you look at it like that well, what are you, what are your thoughts, David? Well, I uh, I agree with you that he he doesn't have a snowball's chance and heck of uh, of getting <laughs> this is a, okay, this Ned is Flanders. A, this is a Christian discussion here um, of uh, getting into Parliament, but I don't think that's what he wants. I think what he wants with this party is to draw attention to his uh, I don't want to call it a religious organisation, and I think, let's just call uh, it what it is: millennial puritanism. That's, he's yeah. basically appealing to the woke. I mean, the kinds of people that he has in his church, and I don't have any problems with the kinds of people that he has in his church, but this is just the general observation without causing any offence to anybody. The majority of them are the dispossessed, are gang members, and he's basically just conflated it with a kind of like Maori religious element coupled with almost like covenant-style elevation of the treaty to that kind of position. And... He's drawing on these very elements and putting them all together to put that message across. Yeah, I think so. But uh, I, I think he's. I think that this um his a lot of his uh, prophethood, as you as you say, though I think that's also something that um it doesn't just emerge um from New Zealand. I think it's also something that has emerged from the uh, United States. He was he was ordained as a bishop. Uh, and I again use that term very lightly by a um, <laughs> by an American pastor, uh, which is in itself a bit ridiculous because you need to be a bishop to ordain another bishop. But 
putting that aside, uh, I think if he was interested, I think in uh, in sort of advocating for uh, sort of evangelical Christian conservative politics in New Zealand, I think he'd throw his weight behind the uh, new, it looks like inevitable Christian party that's going to be formed because people are always going to associate this party with um, with Brian Tamaki and Destiny. You I mean, mean in the y- same way that TOP is also instantly referred to Gareth Morgan or New Zealand First to Winston yeah. Peters or ACT to David Seymour? Yeah, yeah. Based. Well, do you think this is going to um, bring together the Christian right in New Zealand or do you think this is going to further fragment it? Because, I mean, you've got the new cons and you've got other kind of small little dolly parties and you got Alfred and the Nationals who are going to go off and form his own party. Yeah, but that's... Do you think they might all come together now? Or do you think Tamaki's yeah, obviously the not the one to... Tamaki is way too divisive to actually be a political leader and he should stick to his knitting as far... Well, he shouldn't even do that because he's not very good at preaching either, but... Um, but that's that, that's just a question of style because his people that follow him, they follow him because they believe that he's charismatic. But when it comes to this whole Alfred Nardo thing... That's just a very bad strategy, I believe, by National. You see, rather than trying to bring relevance to their policies at a very base level and to make themselves more appealable by probably moving slightly more to the left, they've decided and said, no, we need more coalition partners. We need to give New Zealanders more options. We need to start splitting up the National Party into individualised groupings of people that collectivise. In this case, Alfred versus Bishop Tamaki is going to cause a lot of division due to the kinds of people because, to some extent, when I referred earlier to the... Uh, drawing on the past as an analogy of setting himself up in the same way as traditional Puropiti, such as Tikoti or Ruakenana. He also draws a large following from the Ratana base of his particular faith, you know, because it's that same kind of Māori appeal that we unite against our, uh, to use the term quite lightly, common enemy. You know, and we're drawing on those same kind of elements of support, whereas Alfred Nardo is coming from a different perspective. He's appealing to the Pacifica community, and he's hoping to basically merge them in there because I think that the National Party did lose a lot of support uh, during the time when they supported the Homosexual Reform Act from that community due to their heavy base within like traditional Christian fundamentalism and conservatism, despite the fact that some of the policies otherwise within the National Party probably would that, push them to the that side. That base that people like Bolger especially built up, within yes. the National Party, the, the Christian right. Yeah, most of yeah. them had died off because the majority of people even bother to follow religion these days from a very uninformed perspective seem to be the Christian boomers. You know, those people that have been brought up within the religion. You know, it's boomerism. That's literally what it is. Puritanism. I mean, geez, we're all quite liberal these days. And I mean, even the extremists are quite liberal to some sense. I mean, I, I think you are going to see... I think we are going to see at least one new party into Parliament because if, if you look back at the history of other governments. I mean, every time through the mid midterm or the early midterm of, of, a, of a government's time, you always have parties on the other ideological side that start to appear. I mean, look at 2002 and the strides that ACT and United Future and everyone else and Winston made against Helen Clark. And then I think you're going to see that. 
Oh, now, I, I don't know. Brazil it's not, not going to be movements back in the 1990s. It's going to be It's going to be someone. But the interesting thing is that from what I seem to see is that Tamaki himself wants to head the party this time instead of appointing some sort of plenipotentiary to run it for him. So that's going to be very interesting to see the effect of his brand on the party but itself. Isn't he appointed his wife? Oh, he appointed his wife, which by extension under Christian faith means yeah. that it's a form of subordination. Nice. So technically he still is in control by that specific point of uh, difference there. And I don't mean to alienate our Christian community out there and our followers, but you know I am kind of semi-moral nihilist and I follow the Mardi religion more than I do Christianity as a person that's emancipated myself from the shackles of said oppression yeah, it's oh it's something that I you know because you can see there is like an appetite for it I mean you know with with Colin Craig and how how much of a stride he made and with someone as slimy as he <laughs> can build a support base of nearly four percent in 2014 I'm sure that even oh. someone like Brian Tamaki can uh well, maybe Brian Tomaki should get into a few poems in the same way that Colin Craig did. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing? I don't think Colin Craig was seen as slimy in 2014 because... He was pretty slimy. You could see uh, it in his movements. Look at... Does he even walk normally? Yeah, it's guess, like the David Seymour hand he was, thing. He was definitely awkward, but I, I read a profile on him back in 2014 before he was... um Before, you know, the court ruled that he was a sex pest and before any of that <laughs> stuff came out and... The, and the profile said, I remember they said, like most uh, politicians, I disagree with completely. I found him totally charming. Um, totally which, charming, dear yeah. chap. My Lord. Prince Must have been something in his walk. Yeah. But, I mean, he. I think he was always awkward, but I don't think he was slimy from day one. I mean, yeah. I don't like the guy. How personally. could you be a member of the bourgeoisie that's literally selling our country off, the country that belongs to the treaty partners, and not be slimy? I mean, jeez, the amount of money he funneled into his campaign and his attempts to buy New Zealanders almost rivals Gareth Morgan. Mm. Yeah, well, did he give more? Did he did he put more money than Gareth Morgan exponentially? Yeah, over two yeah, separate right. campaigns. It, what was it like? About a million dollars, just roughly, like from mm. memory, if I recall correctly, it was around a million or so in the first campaign. It's a New Zealand political tradition that someone with more money than sense decides he'll get into Parliament uh, by founding his own party uh, and buying New Zealanders. How yeah. much are we worth, New Zealand? I mean, think of that. And this goes well, out to all of you there working in the factories, working in the jobs and hospitality. Think of it. You know, how much do you earn per hour? And how much is a minute of your life worth to your employer? Your employer, your very godlike figure that sits behind that high chair looking out the window and laughing as he exploits you for labor. You know, think about that for a second. How much is a minute of your life worth when you divide your wages down? When I had a job last and I was working like phenomenal hours, I worked it out as about 25 cents. That's what a minute of my life was work same kind of thing how much is your vote worth new zealand my lord well, what was the better party implosion post-election was it the conservative party with colin craig being found you know to be guilty of sexual harassment or was it gareth morgan like basically telling the country Careful, he'll sue you for that <laughs> basically telling the country that uh they're all idiots for not voting for top and then leaving as part i have said get his way i have well, said 
from the very moment that Gareth Morgan took it up. You know, that, like there's this guy, and let's say he's been involved in some of my political cir- uh, circles, being the fact that I'm an admin of PANS and technically a moderator for APA. Is this a um, Opportunities Party? Yes, a certain former Opportunities Party oh, member yes. who I said was literally voting for a cuck party. And it all came down to this poll. You know, like, oh, TOP is going to form a government. I knew that TOP would never form a government. I told this guy he's literally voting for a bunch of cucks. Gareth Moore cuck and his party of cucks are absolutely horrific in the areas of policy and they didn't have a shit show in hell and it just shows the limits that Gareth Morgan was prepared to go to exploit that vote. I mean, calling us a bunch of idiots, what kind of wanker like that deserves a single modicum of power to make decision for everyday New Zealanders? Well, what was your take? Well, I mean, I think people... He got panned after the election because I think the implosion... Wasn't it largely around the fact that he uh, he he made those tweets about Jacinda's cat? I mean, I think before mm. that he was saying some pretty yes lipstick stuff. on the pig. And here's the thing: like I see, I see the kind of like um, comparison well, on the pig. Wasn't that made during the campaign? Yes. Oh, was he saying something about Jacinda's cat afterwards? I mean, yeah, that- he said. I think when the cat was killed, he said. Um, I think he, he said, oh, what was the cat doing out at night? Uh, oh, my Lord. In, uh, yeah, which was um, not a good, obviously not a good idea to insult New Zealand's favourite celebrity cat. But uh, The first cat of New Zealand. Yeah, the, the first cat the of ma- New Zealand. Mouser in chief. The mouser in chief. Yeah, but I think, and then he, and then there was that, there was that candidate for his party who objected to that. And then he sent that email saying, just resign, you're a pain in the ass. And uh, and then I think... Don't Jeff- forget also the hypocrisy during the campaign. Oh, no, we're not a party that conducts uh, personal attacks. Oh, bugger that. Winston, oh, he's absolutely horrible. He's the complete antithesis of everything we want in government. And literally, they just copied the same formula. They're just putting one person's arrogant personality. And I'm not saying that Winston Peters is by any extension of the imagination arrogant. He is a very, very good guy. I mean, I must say. Oh, Lord, he really does have the Māori people's best interest at heart. He just has a really shit way of putting it across sometimes in a way that people can find relatable. But he has always maintained that strong, resilient voting base from within the electorates, especially in the regions. You know, I I do, I've just been thinking about this while you've been talking, I do actually vote um, Colin Colin Craig's uh, implosion much better than Gareth Morgan's. Simply because of that sauna interview with uh, with David Farah. Oh my lord! And um, how yeah, that that press conference? I think it was the day before the election, where uh, Colin Craig was told that his secretary had resigned, and he just couldn't couldn't compute. Actually, we should look up his poems that he writ. Uh, his poems, public domain like are they yes, yes i think yes. you can find them i'll online. just look one up right now and i'll read it across to everybody a dramatic know? reading of yes uh, a dramatic of some, reading of okay. colin craig uh folks this uh this uh is about to get sophisticated we're going to have a poetry reading yes a poetry we're really reading up to the next level of poetry that was deemed sexual harassment <laughs> four years ago i don't i don't think it was the Poetry that was deemed sexual harassment. I'm not sure, actually. I'm not going oh, to get the into this. I don't want to be. Harassment. Yeah, I think he. I think there was. I think with him, it was physical. I'm not going. Actually, no. I'm not going to be sued by Colin Craig. I'm. Uh, Let's so get, I'm not going to get physical. Into this. Physical. We're gonna get physical. 
Okay, that's just showing my age. And by the way, I'm not that old. He thinks the lady doth protest too much. It's a beauteous evening, calm and free, quiet as a nun, desperate with... This is such a sophisticated podcast now. I know. I mean, we have Shakespeare poetry. Also, uh, why are you looking that up? Yeah. I do actually have a question for you. We were talking about this before because I went on a tangent um, this morning on Wikipedia, you know, due to um, Brian Tamaki Sutton's own party. What do you what do, what do you think about United Future? What do you think killed it? United Future? Well, there are so many different things that killed it. I mean, I believe uh, from memory they did have that split between the conservative uh, Christian base that ultimately did take it away from the party. And that's exactly the same thing. If National thinks that by any stretch of the imagination that setting up another conservative party is actually going to gain them more votes, then they're desperate. They're extremely desperate. They're extremely stupid. Because they're just going to alienate their voters into a separate party, and then that party is just going to go off on its own tangent to radicalize itself. Thus, they're not even going to end up with a partner, just a reduced majority in parliament, if they even get that kind of level of votes that they're expecting. You oh. see, oh, on, well, um, I disagree because I think national. Oh, do, sorry. Do you want to read the no, poem you, first before no, I go? No, no, no. Okay. You, you give your take first. I think national is, um, as a party as a whole, is fundamentally a liberal party because i remember in salient about a year ago there was an there was referencing an, the salient <laughs> damn that's a real academic source there was an by article by someone said uh who claimed to be a this is an article by a gay young nat how, like how revolutionary for goodness sakes it's not like the um, republican party th- in america was, this it's, was it's the a article party. written last year by graham woods in response to an article making fun of a uh, gay young man at a party. Ah, yes. Well, it's not like the Republican Party in America. It's not a socially conservative party. It's a liberal party in every sense of the term. So I think, I actually think that a um, conservative um, party that's aligned with national could potentially steal votes, whether they'll make it into parliament. The the, the problem is... um, is that so? Those votes. So let's say the electorate for the Christian Conservative Party was five percent. Where are those votes coming from? They're coming from National. Like where else are those people? These people voting except for National? There's no other party in Parliament that represents them as well as the National Party. And that's where they're going to hemorrhage a lot of votes. The destiny. I mean, like it or not, it's the values. It's the policy. It's not so much the Church because the Church, even though it isn't only an extension, you're going to see something a bit different there. And like I say, not only are those votes going to come from National, but because they're attempting to appeal to the Pacifica community with a completely new perspective and take on policy and otherwise untainted by National's previous actions, you're still going to see that large hemorrhage away if people do decide to go over to Alfred Nuttall based on the fact of his personality and characteristics. Um, before you read out this wonderful poetry, I've just I've just done the most uh, vigorous Googling and found sophisticated music on YouTube. Ooh. So I want to... <laughs> Gee. Your poetry to this. this is way too fast. What I'll do Actually, look up some like uh, Bosa Nervous or Neo Swords. Like that. Oh, there we go. We've slowed it down. I want you to read uh, I want you to read Colin poetry. The first one is titled Two of Me. Oh, 
Oh, this is his finest piece. His finest piece. Perhaps we should save perfection for last. This is literally poetry from perfect selves. There is only one of me, it's true. But I wish this were not the case, because I wish that I could have you. If instead one man I was two, that would be one for all of the others. So let's break that down. How do you think? Do you think that's really decent poetry? I think, you know, I'm going to give him a backhand compliment on this. Oh, for a moment there, I thought we were going to say backhand. <laughs> oh, this okay, is okay the also, right, to add to the comedy of this section, the music is way too loud, so Felix couldn't hear me. Oh, Felix, you couldn't hear me. So that means I have to read it again. Oh. And this oh, time I have to do it in a different voice. Different. Well, voice. guess what? Guess what, Felix? That just made it funnier. Felix, so. join my group chat. What I'll do. You keep leaving. What I'll my do for God. you, buddy, is I'll turn it down. How's that? Oh, turning it down. This next poem is titled Beautiful. <clears throat> <clears throat> you are beautiful because your eyes are lovely. You are beautiful because you look unbelievably good in your new dress. You are beautiful because your lips are so amazing to kiss. You are beautiful because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful because your skin is so soft. You are beautiful because you have the most perfect... Lol. Okay, I deleted a couple of lines and stopped this section. Please know you are beautiful. Reciting love poetry to your boss? No way. Regular feature potential thoughts team. Oh, okay, was this so? Were they sent in an email then? That was literally in an email that at the time I remember reading that he scrunched up, threw it in the rubbish bin, and it was thus retrieved for the rest of the country and this great nation of New Zealand to love and adore. But the thing is, the whole skin thing, don't you think that's a little bit Hannibal Lecter? Did you just hear it that time? Did you just think Father Benton and Ice Chianti would well, be... Well, I mean, you know, conservatives don't understand sex, so it's not like I expect him to be able to write a good... Uh, oh, who got the uh, Bible Lord, reference we... in there? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully I made. I mean, yeah, I think you, you do have to... You do have to marvel at um, someone who has the... Uh... Hail Hydra. <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey... That's slightly Nazi. Well, actually, here's the thing. My, one of my uncles literally sent this to a cabinet minister the other day about a certain tribe. He said, they have infiltrated through the legislation into parliament itself. Hail Hydra. And apparently it was a very hilarious situation. Well, I, I find it offensive that you'd reference... Uh, I find it offensive that to find me offensive... That you'd reference cape shit on this, uh, <laughs> actually, on this yeah. podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't need to be... Rem- I thought we were done with... Um, with the with this Marvel rubbish, I mean. Well, no, well see, I never even the, seen the movie. This, I think that the next Marvel movie is gonna like fail because everyone thinks that the Marvel movies are over. Oh, they make the time more. of the orc no, is like, over. That, this is literally. Oh like, yes, they are making more. It is oh. just like that. What is it called? Endgame. It's just oh. the end of like that. Possibly section. Hunger Games. Like, they're gonna keep making them. 
Well, of course. I mean, haven't you just noticed over the last few years, every time they're short of a few dollars to just remake some random, like, comic movie? Why not do something decent? Why not make something, like, that everybody can enjoy? Like, I won tickets via Naranga Hotira for this uh, film called Vi. And I must say, it was a rather wonderful film. Indigenous people from all across the, the Pacific. You know, like, that's what we need more of in today's society. Not all of this, like, mindless drivel. Not all of this, like... Wonder Woman, for example, I hear that was a wonderful movie, however, it's just presenting history from a flawed perspective to perpetuate hatreds against certain people for their past actions that their descendants are not by any stretch of the imagination guilty for. So did you watch Moana? Actually, I haven't seen Moana because, like, I never ever had the time. Not saying that that's a great representation of uh, any culture. I, I love it's still Utu. a Disney cash grab. My but. biggest regret was going over to the Gisborne Odeon Multiplex a few years ago when they were showing the Red Ox, and I was like, I just want to see some good old-fashioned Māori um, <clears throat> uh, performing certain actions in contravention of the treaty towards their treaty partners. And uh, I went and I walked and I said, can I see Utu, the Red Ox? And they said, no. And I was like, why? Oh, there weren't enough views for it. I was like, damn, just when I want a decent movie to watch. All right, we're going to cut to a music break because that's how I do. Um, We'll be right back after this and we'll be talking about something. I have no idea what. I kind of want to talk shit about very great radio content. I want to talk shit about very particular people from the political arena in New Zealand. Um, So we'll be right back after Twin Galaxies by Shapeshifter. I hope, uh, hope everyone in the niche community of Facebook political groups is listening at this point because this is your Pans, section. CCK, Pans. APA, what and all of those other ones. What happened APA? Is APA still going? Yes, APA is still going, but um, that's the thing. Due to the fact that Josh Rich won't make me an admin, we don't seem to be going very far. I mean... Oh, Wait, how are you Chloe not? Chloe is overtaking us. She is just doing such an amazing job, and I've got a very high opinion of Chloe Swarbrick. So we're talk- he's talking about these um, Chloe's new Facebook group, and that is Civil. called I don't remember the name. Civil uh, something Cordial. Okay, and that is quite. It's not as not as many members as the biggest political group in New Zealand, which is David Seymour memes for overtakes liberal teens. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say pans, but um, now we've got a thousand more members than you. Oh no, we'll have to get some of those thousand members to join pans. We need diversity of opinion. Nearly three thousand, actually. Oh geez, what's going to happen when it gets to over nine thousand? I don't know if it's going to get to over nine thousand. That'd be amazing. I don't know if there's that many engaged people in New Zealand politics. Well, then point. get David Seymour to level up the Super Saiyan God. He doesn't really like the group that much. He's not a fan because people shitpost and he doesn't understand the shitposts. Mm. Oh, so I think there was one person in particular who caused him some trouble. Which person was this? I don't know if I should name this person. Why? Uh, I don't know if um, if if James would... Uh, sure. James... Because I can't pronounce his surname. Ah, James. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The, the man who was... Um, so basically there was this young man who's of a conservative persuasion who, if you're listening, is probably going to be angry at me for talking about him, but I don't really care. Um, Admin writes. Was very mad for being banned from the group, um, but he was doing a lot of uh, what I can only call anti-Islamic posting in the... Uh, you know, aftermath of the uh, March fifteenth 
event in Christchurch. That sucks. Um, which is, I don't know, I have nothing against people posting their uh, anti-religious takes. That's fine. Just a bit Just comes across as a little bit of anti-Muslim as, yes. as opposed to anti-Islamic. Um, so we got banned. Was not happy about that. Made a fake account. They got banned as well. Uh, very salty about it. But he's in pans now. He's one of yours. Mm. Well, oh. one, one of ours. I'm a mod. Well, we, we, we do not claim any affiliation with any of our members, regardless of their political uh, opinions or perspectives. Even if they're modding, you know, like we just distance ourselves from that. We're a different group now. And I have taken the hard line, hakaiing people, like literally. I just like do that every time I've got to mute somebody. Hakai. And they are gone. My favourite thing, um, my favourite line of James's was when he um, he got into an argument with a Labour MP on on Facebook and told that MP to Google and watch Ben Shapiro. <laughs> what? And, yeah, that's ben right. Shapiro. And, and, then, and then he screenshotted that and posted it in the David Seymour group like that was some sort of... Uh, like that was some sort of... Uh, Ben Shapiro I'm, style destruction listen, with I, facts and logic. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad. I'm very glad we haven't said his last name because I'm. I'm very sorry for laughing at you on the radio. That's I mean, we're, not, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. Yeah. I'm a moral nihilist. I'm completely. I'm laughing. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. Let's actually let's go off into a little tangent then, and let's let's talk about how unbased Ben Shapiro is. Oh, imagine taking an L from the BBC. That is. Oh goodness. No, it's just when he said he when he when he sold Andrew Neil. Oh, no one knows who you are. It's I'm popular. Like, no one's even heard of you, guys. Just, uh, Andrew Neil is like the one of the biggest Tories on the fucking planet. Oh, God. Uh, are you are you a left wing are you a left wing journalist? Are you a fa- are you now. a facts journalist or a feelings journalist? <laughs> oh, that is so good. Why can't we do both? I think I've watched that interview three times because it is so funny to watch that. It's amazing that, like, from the moment that, you know, because he just decides this barbaric comment is what I'm going to focus on just the whole time. It's because, you know what it is? It's because he's used to going on Dave Rubin and Dave Rubin just going, so, so, so why, why are you a Zionist? And then. Ben Shapiro just being able to talk for 20 minutes uninterrupted and, and David just saying, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on some points. Let's talk about free speech, please. You know, it's just, so when he goes with actual interviewers in the real world, he just gets fucking destroyed. Yeah. Okay. Especially, well, especially because um, the best part of the interview is when Andrew Neil says, <laughs> which is arguably funny no matter the fact that he was right when he says... um. There are videos on YouTube titled Ben Shapiro Destroys. Oh, yes. Ben Shapiro Destroys The Liberals. abortion argument and transgenderism. And then Ben tries to deflect by saying, ah, well, those videos titled by me? Ah, well, ah, they can say whatever they want. Those videos are titled by him because they are posted by the Daily Wire. <laughs> <laughs> so he just uh, lied. That's real Trump ben, style right there. Ben Shapiro had been, um, had been, um, pissing me off actually more than usual because of his uh his facebook presence where he just posts articles from the daily wire with something like oh no and uh there was one article he posted where he uh he tuck feared uh alexandria ocasio cortez he said she wasn't a a real christian he's an orthodox jew for goodness sakes how 
Well, well t- how is he going to weigh in on that? Yeah. Goodness sakes. My Lord. Um, well, he, he, he has a big history of telling people that they're not real followers of a faith. I mean, that same Andrew Neil uh, video when Andrew brings up the fact that he tweeted Jews that support Palestine are Jews in name only. Yes, that's true. And Jews that vote Democrat are Jews in name only. Well, he, I, think his, I think his view was that only Orthodox Jews are actually Jewish. Actually, yeah. on this particular subject, here's something interesting. Lauren Southern is, by extension through descent, a Jew. I mean, also, what, what's I, all this white supremacy also, this, stuff? this conversation's fine. Like, I'm fine with it. But I just want to add, I hate talking about e-celebs. And I hate this. <laughs> but no, <laughs> Lauren, think, yeah. Well, just as a point of fact, you know, like, with all of this discussion on it's okay to be white, white supremacy, I mean... She's not exactly white, but she decides to take up this foreign identity and foreign... I, I'm also, like, just going to say it. She's an idiot. She is. Yeah. Like, one of, her mo- one of her most popular YouTube videos, I think it is her most popular YouTube video, is called The Streets of Paris, and it's just a sped-up video of her walking through Paris, and she's walking through a notoriously... Muslim majority neighborhood. She done the same thing in Australia. The and police actually just, took her. She's just like, oh, and the the description is something just absolutely like it's it's almost comedic. She's like, I walked through to this neighborhood and it wasn't French anymore. They didn't have their hair in French braids. She said the same thing about Australia, but then again, how is Australia even Australia? The land belongs to the Aboriginal people that inhabited there for some 40,000 years. I mean, how can you say it's un-Australian? Technically, by extension, everything in Australia is un-Australian. In the same way that many things that people consider to be New Zealand, from that particular strain of logic, it's very un-New Zealand. I mean, Māori didn't pollute the environment in the same way that we do in today's capitalist bourgeois society. It's absolutely ridiculous to say anything is un-New Zealand with that respect. And I'm assuming that she probably would have done exactly the same thing here if she was allowed to be here. I'm just... So, the video I'm talking about has 900,000 views. It's literally just her f- filming people. Um, and the description says, For those who are confused by the point of this video, the point is that France is changing forever due to mass migration. The people in this video were not speaking French. They were not wearing their hair in French braids. But that's like, absolutely... Is that, is that French identity? That you? is absolutely oh. ridiculous. I mean, think about it. That particular part of land there was a mass where there have always been migrations, especially due to that time when the mainland of England was still attached to France. It was a common causeway, and that extended all the way from Africa, Iran, all the way through to there. There have even been Iranian stone tools from that particular sources in that country found in england in also, also just if so it's, this is particularly a video of paris if you go to any major city of any capitalist country it's not going to be very white just because of how migration works because of how capitalism works with the movement of labor french like, it's just big cities are just multicultural by nature Precisely, because they're if she went to If she went to somewhere else in France, I bet you they'd be wearing their hair in French braids and they'd be speaking French. And uh, they'd yeah, yeah, and they'd be standing with bread. fishnet corners with their legs up attempting to solicit people. You know, I thought that was more French Parisian culture with, like, pickup artists <laughs> what do you What do you think, Deva? Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't know why she's so upset. They're not speaking French anything, and French is a waste of time. But uh, to quote that, Ooh, uh. to quote that on me. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, sorry to all the... The French listeners. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what 
her personal religious views are. So I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll leave that to her because I don't think she's a a religious commentator. So um, if she's uh, what whether she's pagan, Christian, or Jew, um, but I do think that uh, I do think that she's her her career is. Um, She's changed her opinions quite a bit throughout her career. Originally, she was sort of been part of the Ben Shapiro crowd, the well, intellectual dark web, as they call them. Here's a here's now a she's here's a, a white nationalist. It's here's weird. a salient FM first. Lauren Southern was once a part of a group, and she used to get all of these like internet nerds from around the world. It's a global group to red pill her on issues. So she'd post something like "red pill me on Iran," "red pill me on this," "red pill me on that." So these collective nerds, who were quite thirsty, ended up putting through large essays and assignments on these particular subjects that Lauren would then extrapolate the points for and reticulate into these videos and on her tirades around the world. I knew she had orbiters. I wasn't aware of that. About um, I don't know, about a thousand or so. Well, because mm. because she she, you know, is a is a little not a scoop at all. But when I was young, I was more right wing. Um, so she came around the same time that I was like fourteen and 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 watching these shitty like intellectual dark web people. Mm. And she got the the video she got first big from was she worked for Rebel Media at the same time as uh, what's his name. Angry uh, dude. Oh, Gavin Pratt. McInnes. Gavin McInnes. She worked there at the same time as him um, because she couldn't get a job at Breitbart because they wouldn't hire her or the Daily Wire. They... Oh, imagine not even um, get a job at Trump so, But you Basically, <laughs> Rebel, Rebel Media is this Canadian right-wing um, outlet that you work for if no one else will hire you. If the Daily Wire won't hire you, then no one's going to hire you except for Rebel. But she got big off one video she did where she walked with a bunch of women who were um, advocates of programs that helped women who dealt with sexual assault. And she just held up the sign that said, like, rape culture isn't real in the West. And, you know, she's a provocateur. She's in the same vein as Milo Yiannopoulos and all that crap. Yeah, well, she just uses it to make her income. You're right. She just went on some weird pivot. Yeah. To just go from, like, reactionary right-wing politics to... I don't like brown people anymore. But it's quite yeah. logical. I mean, I want you to think about it like this. Don't think of it so much in the actions or even the terms or consequences as a result. Just look at it as something like X. So you're changing that X, which would otherwise be woman or rape culture, and you're just swapping that. The exact same premise, the argument is exactly the same. And you're just swapping it with something else, like we don't like brown people because X reason. We don't like feminists because of X reason. We don't like communists because of X reason. We favor the white nationalism because of this reason. You know, that's all she's done. She's just using the exact same argument on a huge scale, and she's just changing a few key terms around. Well, she, um, not recently, I think it was a couple of years ago, she got temporarily arrested for jumping in a boat and trying to turn around refugee ships. That, you know, that she My knows, because everyone knows that those ships can only make it one way, you know, because they're jam-packed with people and they're built like shit so she was basically you know i think it's a violent act you know i think that was violence against uh violence against refugees well isn't it interesting that the world is so pol the world is so polarized and galvanized into their own beliefs to the point of where you have certain people arising these people who you'd almost deem as false prophets they have certain beliefs and they're simply supplying to a demand there is a demand out there for that kind of ridiculous politic that would see that kind of thing. You know, 
I may not necessarily agree with um, what she's doing in any way, but it, it, it's it's just... Oh, there's no word to describe it, really. It's absolutely ridiculous. I Was she on the boat turning yeah. around? The- yeah, so she, um, she got on a boat with a bunch of other... I don't know what they called themselves, but just a bunch of, you know... Radical right-wingers. Um, and they would be... Because there was a non-profit organization that was helping these boats. They'd meet them in the waters uh, off Italy and get them onto their boat and then take them to shore so they could apply for asylum, which is all uh, legal, by the way. Um, and she would just, like, stop that interaction in the bay. Oh, goodness. And, you know, try and get them to go away. Um Really horrible stuff, yeah. Oh, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know she was involved in that. Yeah, and I mean, now she's hanging out... I mean, you know, she came to New Zealand with Stefan Molyneux, and he's just... You know, he's all about that race IQ stuff. Shout out to Liam Walsh for his actions in the Not A Bomb threat. Oh! oh Mama Walsh! Hans Edmund, Liam Walsh! The greatest moment Liam in New Walsh. Zealand po- political history. If you're listening to this, I just want to say... You are a legend for that. Let's give him a table thump. Oh, um, do it again, Bomber Walsh. Do you guys... <laughs> oh, uh, the Una Walsh. I, I just want to say, for the record, this was a joke that he made. There was no <laughs> actual bomb threat. Yeah, there was no actual I also want to say, attack. just for the uh, GCSB, we're not advocating bombs at all. Yeah. No. We, we're not even advocating calling in bomb threats. So David, not even in the water. David, could you uh, recall the story for the listeners who wouldn't know about the Liam Walsh bomb story? Our oh, unsung hero of New Zealand. This guy deserves some sort of award, but he'd, he'd simply turn it down. His only award is the work for the Not A Party pa- Party and like hemorrhaging votes. But he's literally gone against this policy here because he's winning votes through an action like this. L- Liam Walsh, uh, a friend of mine... Hi, Liam. Ex-member of the Green Party, I think, now a member of Not A Party. Yeah, he uh, posted on... Was it Pans? It was on Pans. Yes. And Sands. And Sands, that he'd got the uh, Lauren Southern and Stefan Molyneux event cancelled by calling in a bomb threat. (laughs) 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 He didn't call in a bomb threat. He just posted on these groups he, that he, he took had. credit for <laughs> he the bomb threat. Credit for a bomb threat that he hadn't called in, and they and these groups just went ballistic at him. For I think someone called the police on him, didn't yes, they? Yes, no, they did. Yes, they, yes, they um, did. The, and they went they around there. The they went around there, and they laughed. They all laughed. That man had done New Zealand a great duty that day. Yeah. So have faith. In New Zealand, when you've got people like Liam, he, he, he was supposed to come on today, but he's a bit busy at work. But mm. I lawn stars love that story. And of course, I'm not advocating for bombs or bomb threats to cancel events. But honestly, watching the fallout from that was entirely worth it. I am advocating for that. It's wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes, it'll give us something interesting I, to talk about. Sorry, I think do you want to? You're advocating for him posting in the group, yes. not for no, 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 not for anything. Actually. I'm just advocating for the fallout from people who, like, you know, the same people that will call people snowflakes over anything, just Which the meltdown ridiculous. that they couldn't listen to Stefan Molyneux talk about oh why Māori and Aborigine people have lower IQs than, than, yeah. than whites. To anybody who thinks that, I honestly think that you're a low-class parasite that if your heroes were alive, you wouldn't even exist in this world.
Okay, so Felix has just told me that. So Liam Felix. Liam Walsh posted the fake claim of the bomb threat on Sands, and then Stefan and Lauren's actual agent posted it on Twitter. Um, oh goodness! So Stefan and Lauren would have seen it themselves. Thank you, Liam Walsh. Thank you. But actually, here's an interesting thing, you know, like during my time coming from a very small rural community and coming to the big city in Wellington, I've actually become somewhat radicalised because Tommy Easy, he once said to me, you know, we Māori need to radicalise our ways of thinking in the states of age. And if you've seen the extent of that particular brand of radicalism, and that's not here what I'm even advocating, I'm just saying that coming from such a small community and where the majority of people is Māori, and you can see in those factories and in every single minimum wage job that we are overrepresented in that. You know, like all of these MPs, they often come around, they go into the factory and they're like, oh yes, there's Māori employment, this is awesome, and they make a big deal about it, and yet I'm almost there in tears for exactly the same reason that my people are in these jobs. Many of them are not stupid people. Many of them are quite intelligent. And they haven't had the opportunities to get out into this education. To, to, so to every single student out there, you do have a form of privilege. Because somewhere out in the world, there's somebody who is dying to have this opportunity, who is simply wanting a better life. And we also have our Pasifika communities. Many of them come over here. Many of them still support their families holding down two jobs while studying. And anything else that comes up that interrupts in what they're doing. You know, that's the thing. As human beings and as and as students, we occasionally fail to look around and we see these things that are so subtle within society. Things that otherwise shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Try to cut to David here, but uh, we're both just speechless. Yeah. But I actually... Uh, we're both sort of taking it in. Last um, last half an hour of the show, I'm going to cut to music in a second, just for a break. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about something near and dear to my heart. Um, the Act uh, Relaunch. Coming Ooh. coming next month, which I am going to. Just brought my tickets, uh, my plane tickets to Auckland. Hate going to Auckland. Auckland's horrible. The only it decent is. thing in Auckland is Kerwin Aries Rollinson. But I'm uh, quite quite excited. Um, let, uh, let's wonder if the the neo libs are going to be able to pull through and uh, get an extra MP, huh? Hmm, it's going to be interesting. Free speech is on the agenda, according Free to David. Free speech. Oh. Well, that's the interesting thing, you know, like just before you end up cutting to the music, is that when it comes to free speech, I'm all in favour of free speech. And, you know, like a lot of people misunderstand the concept of free speech. Of course, I can see what it's been used by the likes of Lauren Southern and many others. You know, there is freedom of speech, but freedom of speech should also be critiqued by the public. It doesn't necessarily mean shutting things down, because when you shut it down, you end up creating a black market for that speech. And then all of these hate groups start flowing out of the woodworks. At least when people have an opinion, you know where they are. You know generally the kind of people that do it. Well, what, what, do, you, what do you think on the free speech take? Oh, the f- well, it's not on the take, a, but just like how the- many How many minutes do I have to... <laughs> Say it because I'll, this is a big this is a big topic. Yes, yes, I, I it won't, is. I won't I won't cut to music until you're done with your point. Oh, okay. So well on the on the topic of how people view free speech as under attack and the hyperbolic discussion around that, if you think it's hyperbolic, what's your take? I mean I'm I'm for free speech. Uh, I, think, I with, think everyone is. Yeah, maybe with the exception of things like oh, shouting fire in a crowded room. Uh, yeah, and, that, that's yeah. ridiculous. Um but I, I'm I'm somewhat critical of the notion of 
freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom with from consequences because I sort of agree with that but then again if that's true like someone in North Korea can walk out and say I hate Kim Jong-un or a woman in Saudi Arabia can walk out and say I um I think uh, this country's system of laws are misogynistic but they don't have they have that freedom of speech but they don't have freedom from consequences so I sort of I'm but our parliamentarians do Yes, they do. So I'm sort of that does concern me. The uh, when people say that because I do, I do wonder what the um, implications behind it are. But yeah, I, I do think um, I do think people um, have a right to say protest people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, exactly. I support that. Them. I support that. And here's one of the reasons why: because throughout this whole free speech debate, all I see is the potential of how free speech can be weaponized against Māori. If we shut down free speech every time a Māori brings up the fact that there has been a failure to adhere to these treaty obligations and to act in due faith, and we start to go into history, people instantly begin to shut off, and they're like, "Well, geez, oh no, you, you, this, that, and the other," and you know, like. Free speech has its limits, but how do we as a country even begin to define that? Because some of the things like what these white nationalists say on the lines of, oh, well, we're bringing bread out of existence and our culture is at threat. Within Māoridom, you know, we are actually facing these very risks. We are losing our culture in this globo monoculture that is otherwise developing due to the fact that although we do to some extent have acknowledged rights of rangatiratanga over our culture, it is largely non-Māori that are also pushing our culture through every facet. And the thing is that although it is good to be seen, it is not the true nature of our culture that is being pushed. So many people don't even understand the nuances of what it means to us as Māori versus the rest of the world. It's simply a word to them simply something on a piece of paper that they cannot possibly comprehend actually i am interested as i look for music really quickly because i mean free speech as most people see it is quite like a, a western idea within liberal democracies and capitalist systems and i know that um you know maori didn't really have well they didn't have like a, a national state you know it was a decentralized system mm-hmm. but did they have did within uh maori history did they have any sort of concept of free speech well that's a very interesting point because yes they did back in traditional maori culture if there was one thing despite the fact that our culture had many restrictions such as the rules of surrounding tapu and noa conversation was something that we always had maori would always converse freely be it the stories of our ancestors and it was not restrictive chat like those by non-maori you see like we'd talk about anything we'd talk about sex we'd talk about war decapitation everything because that was what we consider to be healthy in our traditional culture. And that's the thing, when you look around at non-Māori culture and New Zealand culture in general these days, there's a facet to shut down free speech like that. We can't talk about rape, we can't talk about suicide, and many people who want to bring these things up, they are stigmatised as a result of that, which leads to consequences such as suicide, excessive drug use, or drowning themselves in these many forms of narcotics we have all around us. Not just drugs, but any other form of indulgence, as they like to put down that very thought in the back of their mind, burning. It's also another reason why a lot of soldiers don't bring up their actions in combat, simply because people cannot understand, because people they judge, they shut them down. You can't think this, you can't do this. And from a Māori perspective, we did have freedom of speech to that extent within our society. But once again, like Eddie Amin said, there is freedom of speech, but we cannot guarantee freedom after speech. Sometimes free, free speech was abused to the fact that it started wars. One of these happened back in Tūranga. 
There was one chief, and I believe it was Teratu, who went out into the bay fishing one day. He spent the entire day with a companion. He didn't catch any crayfish. His companion did. So he said, oh, can you give me one of your crayfish, bro? And this guy said, no, a crayfish is like an outrigger on a canoe. So that furious, he whacked him right there in the water, triggered this huge combat with huge consequences, you see. So although there is freedom of speech in that sense, it was not necessarily to be used satirically or sarcastically in a way that demeans people. Well, I think that answered my question. We're going to cut to our final song of the show and come back for another 25 minutes or so for a conversation before it's 2 o'clock and I have to just fucking fly out of here. Um, this is Baby Boy, Kevin Abstract. All right, we're back from Kevin Abstract and uh, David wanted to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to radio. comment on the recent, because uh, we, we were just discussing this in the break, the recent... Um, sort of tensions between the US and Iran and I've seen people on the internet supporting it and I just wanted to say if you support a war America invading Iran then your brain is so smooth and <laughs> crinkleless it is without the slightest dent it is so smooth I could see my reflection in a brain that shiny does Do it have a people- does it have a split in it no not it is, it is a perfect spherical ball. Uh, people who say that this will be another Iraq are understating it. I mean, if you think that the Iraqis were donkey stubborn with the Americans invading their country, wait till you see what the Iranians are like. The Iranian there are three times as many people in Iran as there are in Iraq. And guess what? They kicked out their king in the 70s because he was perceived as being too pro-American. So if you actually think that this is going to be anything other than a void in which US soldiers will be sent and butchered for nothing, then you're going to have another thing coming because it will. So that's what I just wanted to say on that subject. Because, uh, because yeah, our, our little discussion on that really got me off. Yeah, no war with Iran. Um... Well, just no war in general. Yeah. Also, free Palestine. Yes, free Palestine. free Western Sahara. Yes, yes. Just free the Arabic peoples from their oppression by the Western world and just let them live their lives as they are. Can we... Okay, let's move on straight from there. Let's go. I was thinking about not doing this on the radio, but we're at a leftist university. We're allowed to do it. Let's talk about Alfred Nao and his Zionism and his pro-Israeli Christian party that he's going to start launching. I have one line for that. I have one line for that. Parliamentarian punches praying parishioner. I mean, those allegations that he went and he just like punched a parishioner for not praying in church. How ridiculous is that? You know, I've actually been thinking about OIAing uh, to see whether that was actually investigated or not, because it was an allegation that came up in 2013. You know, like, is that exactly what we want in New Zealand? Like, our MPs are just people who go, like, beat up random people? Like, oh, my Lord. Ridiculous. Well, I won't comment on those allegations, but uh, if I might give the classic response. But I will say on um, Alfred uh, Nara's support to Zionism, I think he's entitled to his political opinion. Oh, of course. course. I'm not denying his right there. I will say, though, if a member of the New Zealand parliament said they were a white nationalist, I think quite rightly people would be reviled by that. But Zionism as an ideology is 
in my view, actually indistinguishable from white nationalism, except potentially it's more violent and it has nukes. Well, here's an interesting quote from Tolstoy then. You know, like he said that nationalism and peace cannot exist side by side. So in Zionism, in this case, you're seeing the effects of it all throughout what is now known as as Israel and what was once known as Palestine. You know, that's the thing, like my opinion from what I understood, because I, I went to a Christian school when I was younger, you know, like the Israelites, during their plight from Egypt, if that even happened at all, they went over, they whacked a few people over in Canaan and they took their land from them at that time period. But when you look at it, when it comes down to bloodlines, both the Arabic and the Israeli people come from the same lines, from Sarai and Hagar. So why is there not that same level of familial allegiance to one another following that period in the 1940s when they were finally re-entitled to that supposed chosen land called Israel today? Uh I will say I think um I think the um it was the Israelites who claimed descent from uh Sarah and the uh I think the um the Arabs who claimed descent from Ishmael, the son of Hagar, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure how, how true that is, but on but I think the idea that people from Eastern well, Europe are indigenous to Palestine because of their religion, but Arabic-speaking people who have uh, been born and brought up there aren't indigenous to Palestine, as people like Alfred Naro would say, is, in my view, ridiculous. Well, exactly. And I mean, even the research shows that those both, both people share exactly the same genomes. So if that is true, then what is the thing here? Because from a Māori perspective, it should be about whakawhanaungatanga. Did you go to his thing at Vic? Uh, Alfred Naro had a pro- Israel discussion at Victoria? I didn't because I was sick. But if I had gone, what I would have asked him was if he was okay with Israel being caught, hand in a cookie jar, spying on New Zealand twice. And with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, saying that that he declared war on New Zealand. I mean, he didn't actually declare war on New Zealand. But that was the rhetoric he used about our country. So even if you were to put aside, which I don't think you should, the disgusting way Israel treats the Palestinians, I think that that country is not a country that's friendly towards New Zealand. That's a country that's exceptionally hostile to New Zealand and, might I say, was hostile towards the national government that he was a part of, for goodness sakes. So it's not as though they're just hostile to... The current, they're hostile to a government. He well, here's an interesting it. thing. You know, there's a lot of Māori out there, and this all stems back to the earliest periods of colonisation within this country. There's a lot of Māori out there who believe that they're descendants of those of one of the lost tribes of Israel. I don't know whether this was perhaps taught by those missionaries or whether it Everyone was perhaps... Everyone believes they're descendants of the lost oh, tribes Oh, yes, yes, yes. But uh, here's something interesting about that. If the Israelis themselves are declaring war on a people that is otherwise friendly to them, what kind of effect would that have on those same people that support them today? Day. Well, I think what what I find the most ridiculous about it is that New Zealand, contemporary New Zealand politics and people that follow it um, have always been proud of the fact, well, since the 1980s, that New Zealand, New Zealand's foreign policy tries to be independent of the US and we hate the Yanks, so we're not going to stand by the Yanks. It's the idea that we'd pretty much hold the same idea on Zionism and Israel as the US just seems a little bit baffling to me. Well, I mean, even because I can understand why the U.S. does it because they're a strategic point in the Middle East. But what's 
What's New Zealand's point in even recognising them? Well, I mean, look at even, like, Netanyahu's son. He was banned from f- social media for, like, hate speech and racial comments against the Palestinian peoples there. How ridiculous is that, that you had a nation that was subjected to one of the world's worst genocides and atrocities, and you give them a country, or give them back what they consider to be their country, and they use exactly the same tactics of, well, basically what was used against them in World War Two. How ridiculous is that? How sickening is that? There's even a song about it by a group called The Special, and it goes something like, From the ovens of Belson where the innocent were burned, Israel was nothing learned. And that was to do with those, basically, terrorist acts of Beirut. How ridiculous. There's just so much hate in the world today. I will say, though, on... um, um, I, I don't know if you're referring to the 2006 um, invasion of Lebanon, the uh, land of my forefathers. Um, but the, uh, it's important to note, Israel was... They had they had at best a stalemate in that war. Hezbollah fought Israel to a standstill in 2006. So I think Israel isn't as invulnerable as... Um, Just cut off the US funding. Cut off the US funding and see how long they last by themselves. Will they be able to conduct their imperialist nonsense into those lands with no funding from outside states? My guess would certainly be no. It would definitely be, they definitely have to significantly withdraw, although uh, they do have that de facto alliance with another particularly evil state, namely Saudi Arabia, the um, worst country in the world. So I think they do... They do have allies outside the U.S. I think. Uh. Yeah, it's it's um, I don't know. It's just it just particularly annoys me when we have members of parliament even just taking the stance. What's the point? Mm. It is such a useless statement to make. You know, oh, this ex minister from the National Party thinks, oh, I'm you know I'm a Zionist. That that. There's no point in doing that. That was not in the national conversation at all, but he still took the time to come out and say it. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's quite insulting, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, against all of humanity. And what I can't see is how people are so unfamiliar with it or they're so emotionally attached through thousands of years of religious indoctrination to certain things that they cannot see that mass murder is somewhat bad. Like, it's as simple as that. People just don't know. Intergenerational murder. You know, like, you could almost say that it's a form of genocide, ethnic cleansing, removing the people from that land by breeding into them or wiping them out in the same way that people done when they colonised Australia in the same manner that they'd done when they came here to New Zealand. You know, they built their privilege upon the bodies of our ancestors in the same way that Israel has built its privilege upon the bodies of innocent Palestinians armed with nothing more than sticks and stones. And the conversation seems to be about, oh, but the Palestinians, they support Hamas if they come away from Hamas, everything will be good. I highly doubt it'll be like that. To pivot a little bit away from the Israeli discussion, um, so if Alfred now splits off from the National Party and forms his Christian party, and he stands in botany, because that's what all the discussion is about, it's him standing in botany. Botany? Do you, yes. That Do you, seems like an odd seat for... Well, he says Jamie Lee Ross is... 
Well, okay. you see, look you, at it like you, this. Do you think that Alfred Nao's new party could defeat Jamie Lee Ross? If they get the nod from National? Yeah. No way. Uh, because I think the strongest thing that National could do to defeat Jamie Lee Ross in Botany is standard National. A well, high-profile National going, candidate. They're just uh, going to put morals against it. They're going to point out... The, Jamie Lee Ross's mistakes that he's an immoral person and put somebody in there who's a Christian well, and to come from a position of moral superiority, taking that moral high ground. Jamie Lee Ross doesn't have much going for him other than the fact that he's a, you know, he's a delusional narcissist, yes. a sex pest. But um, I, I, I can't see him winning re-election in that seat. I honestly think Jamie Lee Ross is um, in a state of delusion. I think. I just I don't think his head's in reality. Um, I, I, and look, I don't have much sympathy for the guy, other than feeling a bit sorry for him. But we all yeah. make mistakes. Even some of the most worst people throughout history may attempt to atone for themselves. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the global community will think so, though. Mm. But yeah, I just I cannot see him winning re-election in that seat. I wouldn't have thought it would be the seat to stand um, Alfred Narrow in and get a nod from National because, uh, it, I mean, it seems more like sort of liberal uh, bourgeois national seat. But what, uh, Botany? Yeah. Yeah, Botany is, but behind Ipsum, it's one of the most affluent um, seats, but it does have a high, um, a very high Asian population. It's one of the most like densely Asian seats in the country. Yes, um, and that's that's an elect that's a demographic that Jamie Lee Ross has a lot of support in. I don't know how much now, but that's why he was always seated in Botany. All right. Well, that's uh, not to generalise, but that's not generally a um, a, a a group that's well known for being. Christian conservatives. Yeah, so yeah, I know, yeah, I know um, that there's a there's a, a there's quite a uh, sort of national voting streak um, among the Asian community, but I wouldn't have thought that the Christian Conservative Party would be of the uh, of the greatest appeal to um, to the Asian. Well, community. that's why Jamie Lee was always a, a pick for botany because he's a quite liberal. Um, I think he's agnostic. I don't know if he believes in any faith, but he's not vocal about it. Um, liberal guy. I mean, he sat here a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me that he's quite libertarian in some areas and mm. well he got he got in, he got into a row with Alfred um Alfred Naro recently over um Alfred Naro's comments of um over abortion and yes he he basically uh, my friend said he he white knighted in that uh situation <laughs> in his argument with yeah, Alfred yeah. Naro but you could um, say that yeah um he um he did his please ma'am may I have a crumb okay I won't, I won't go there but um he, please ma'am may I have a crumb I think uh I think he's I think Alfred Nara if National want to take that seat back I think they um I think they'd be better off getting Alfred Nara to stand somewhere else and standing someone like Jamie Lee Ross, but a member of National in that seat. Uh, but yeah, but you'd have to you'd have to stand someone um, as as liberal as Jamie Lee. That's that's my problem. Is that yeah. now is 
you know, a very stern conservative and it just doesn't meld well in botany. You'd have to stand someone like, not, you know, like Nikki Kay or someone who is a yeah. very liberal member of the National Party, like mm. almost Labour-esque. Yeah. Well, I think they've, there's, they can probably draw one of the... Uh, one of the thirty-year-old boomers among the young nats and get them to stand in that seat. I'm, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's, oh jeez. Uh, well, um, I mean, I, I, I don't, um, I don't think they'll have any trouble finding someone who fits the liberal profile. No, for no. that seat. But I think if they're going, I, I just think if they want to lose that seat. Giving Alfred Nara the nod would be the worst strategy. It would be a way for that. And it, seat. The, the thing is, I mean, I want, I want Jamie Lee to win botany because I want to see the National Party just like the just be blown the fuck out over something of that magnitude. So handing botany to Alfred Nao is basically tying your own noose because when Jamie Lee wins, it's going to be the biggest. You know the the biggest self destruct that National has ever done. Wouldn't it be interesting if Jamie Lee brought another Jamie Lee along? Who's the other Jamie Lee? I don't know. Well, if he's going to run as an independent, or if he even decides to start his own party, oh, or if he I brought somebody else on board. Oh, I don't. I don't. Maybe if he wins, um, if he wins Botany in twenty twenty, he'll probably start a new party. But I think he's kind of weighing up his options right now because you don't want to. Who was um. Was it Brendan Horan who left uh, New Zealand first? Yes, he left New Zealand yeah. first. Started the independent coalition. Well, actually, that. this brings me back to an interesting yeah. uh, critique of 1990s New Zealand first. This was back during the time of the Type 5. You know, one of my uncles was an MP by the name of Tutekawa Wiley. Uh, during Is that your the, uncle? Oh, really? Yes, he's, he's uncle. my uncle. He's, wow. Uh, yeah, oh. we come off the same lines. He's very close to me. His, one of his brothers is even closer still, and I basically consider his brother to be the paramount tohunga whakapapa of our tribe. I was catching up with him yesterday during his time here. Very knowledgeable, very humble, very respectful person. But anyway, the interesting thing is that during the 1990s, you had that split off into the Modi 2 Pacific Party, which is basically like Rana, Rana Where's the Biscuits, Waitai, Tukuroirangi Morgan, APA, contributing member, Tuariki Delamere, and then you've got Tu Wiley. And um, he was faced with a hard decision do I choose to go with my brothers along with all of them on this escapade or do I stand staunch with the New Zealand First Party? And he got a lot of shit for that. He got a lot of shit because he chose to remain staunch to that party when Tohenari took the others off on a completely different tangent and they lost out. And that was due to his moral accountability to those people who put him in place. They wanted him there as New Zealand First. So why would he then choose another party as well? Same thing with Jamie Lee Ross. People voted for him largely due to the fact that he was a candidate for national and those values espoused by national he was there to represent them as his, their mouthpiece in that electorate you know will he make that decision to stand again it's still something that remains to be seen I did, yeah I'm sorry I'm just still taken aback by the fact that he was your uncle I'm just, oh yeah, I'm yeah. Just, yeah well I'm actually descendant of Wee Peter and one of my great great uncles uh, served as the uh Interpreter and uh, secretary to Apirana Ngata and Taureka Reka Henare during that time, and his name was Tiromo Romo Tehuatahi Balnevis. So I come from the Naitamanu Hiri Rungofakata and Tiaitanga Mahaki tribes of Turanga. 
Big flex. Yes. Jesus. I love that. That's oh, fantastic. and Mecca's my auntie as well. Oh, Mecca Fighter, do you? Yes, Mechatron. Oh, I just the only reason I know her is because her um her husband's a teacher at my old high school. I thought you were going to say it's because um, certain things involving a certain uh, press secretary, but... Um, <coughs> uh, was it the press secretary that she... Um, yes, actually, the strangest thing is I saw them that up. day, because um, I was presenting a carving to um, the Right Honourable Jacinda Ardern. I didn't get to see her in person, but I got to meet the press secretary, and I could see she was a bit off that day. This was before Wait, the you, actual event. Did you do a carving for... Winston and Jacinda. Well, I decided to do a small one for Jacinda out of Macrocarpa, which I consider to be an inferior wood, but I've done something okay. interesting because I love Picasso. And back in Turing, we have these conversations, you know, like we talk about the Māori Michelangelo, who was basically a master carver and chief of Rungofakata. His name was Rahuruhi Rukupo, and he carved Tehoki Turanga that was stolen from us in 1867 by the Crown. We always talk about Michelangelo, and look at it, things in context. Who was Michelangelo? Well, he was one of the finest painters of his time. Who was Picasso? Picasso was somebody who had the ability to render that same Michelangelo-esque form from all perspectives at the same time. So I'd done a carving, a Maori carving in the style of Picasso. So when you looked at it from the front, you could see it looking straight at you, but you turn it sideways and you notice that the head curves around and it's looking sideways simultaneously. I don't think there'd ever been another carving done like it. Have, have you ever presented anything to Jacinda Ardern? Well, David? Uh... On the day she was uh, elected Labour leader, not uh, Prime Minister, uh, I met her in a pub and oh. gave her... Uh, it was a very crowded pub and, uh, and because she was there. What pub was it? Uh, it was Backbenchers. Oh, yes. And I, I um, took a photo of a friend of mine with her who wanted a photo and uh, passed on my congratulations so yeah, I've passed on my so, congratulations to so her, but not anything. Not uh, as impressive as a as a no, carving. No, 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 nothing Actually, like that. You so, wait, sorry, have you given? Is she the only prime minister you've given a carving to? Yes, I haven't. I don't actually know whether uh, what her opinion was is of it. I haven't ever bothered. I've never bothered to ask her during the times that I've seen her, but I definitely will send a message to her office or something and see what she actually thought about it. It's also coated in traditional cookaway, which is a form of um, paint made from the iron oxide which is a form of red clay. So John Key never got anything from you then? Uh, the only thing he, that John Key had the honour of getting from me was a f two photos, and um, he signed a couple of ties that I have. So I've actually got a tie that's signed by both John Key and the Right Honourable Bill English. Isn't John... Oh, no, John didn't accept... Oh, he, did he accept his knighthood? Yes. yes Sir John Key. Yeah, Sir John. Bill Sir John Sir Key. As well. Yes, yes, but we. Uh. I like Bill. I also like John, you know. I must say, I actually kind of do miss both Bill and John. I mean, for different well, that, reasons. I mean, because I know that, you know, you're, you're trying to you're trying to run for a position within um, your iwi. Um, that must be quite contentious, well, right? You like John Key? For, I worked for New Zealand First in 2014 as an extra parliamentary executive assistant and campaign manager for the East Coast electorate. And during that time, I got to get around. But afterwards, I decided, well, I'm going to see what the National Party's about, because all we do is we rubbish the National Party for a number of different reasons. So I joined them. And what I must say is that for those Māori who are within the National Party and are serving the National Party and are also considering joining the National Party, when you go back home to your people, it is the single most hardest thing to do. Because after that, people simply conflate you with a false belief of what the party is. Like, I was called a dick arsehole idiot especially during that time of the flag referendum because i got into this de debate on facebook and it turned out to be an argument because i didn't interpret it like that i was saying during this time that well why do we even bother to keep the new zealand flag 
you look at those atrocities committed by Britain during its time with um, indigenous peoples from all around the world, both in America, Australia and New Zealand. Why is it that we as Māori people simply want to keep the Māori flag due to their influence or ability with the Māori Battalion and the Pioneer Battalion in World War One? You know, why is that when less than 40 to 60 years beforehand, those same people, that same group, that same army was wiping us out, burning our part of the ground and raping our women? such as in Taranaki. You know, how crap is that that we, the Māori people of today, decide to keep that symbol of oppression on our flag? And I said to this person at that time, my flag is the blood-stained kōrōwai of my ancestors who fought and died in that great conflict to preserve our Māori nation, our rangatiratanga, and our mana motuhake as individual hapu, iwi, and as a people. Well, you know, we'll wrap up on a, on a um, similar note then. With a very topical conversation, which flag option was the most based? David, what do you think? Because, I mean, okay. The current one. The, uh, the, well, the first thing I have to say is they were all no. awful. Yes, they, they were. They were all awful. Yeah, all the, of the, the current options. one. But, I mean, if, if I was to pick a, with one of the alternatives. Yeah. But, oh, like, literally, if you goodness. were to put a comparison of the amount of people who were killed by England, like, look, look, the very first day that Cook arrived here, it was like a drive-by. The guy pulls up in his, in his fucking boat, pulls out the gats, shoots uh, Māori people dead on the beach, goes off to the next place, starts shooting up people all around the country. That was the first day. So what, what would you want the flag to be then? Well, I don't like the idea of Red Peak. And here's the thing. I told Winston Peters, and I told him at a party convention, I said to him, why did we change our party logo? That literally just looks like a grayscale ripple for Red Peak. And he shot me the most dirtiest looks. And he said, oh, well, it's um, it's a group of chevrons. And it indicates progress. And I'm looking at it like it's just a side. It's like a side-rendered grayscale version of Red Peak. Um, the Silver Fern wasn't a bad option, but it wasn't a good option either. It was very, like, very patronizing. I don't think there was a single decent option in there. And what about, what yeah, about, what about you, David? I've seen... I've seen some good alternative flag designs but I, I didn't really I think if there was Kiwi one with laser option, eyes yes Kiwi with laser eyes Winston with a blunt I, in his mouth if I had to go with one of the options I suppose Red Peak looks the most like a flag and not a logo yeah so it I'd literally was a logo with what Red Peak was yes yeah but the other ones looked like logos well so, actually the other ones were logos as well but yeah. Red Peak in particular is now a logo and it's and a <clears throat> New Zealand first logo I don't support the um, it's also the top logo silver for a fern, oh my lord uh, as a New Zealand symbol because I think it's sports ball nationalism but which, yeah yeah no that's what I hated about and those other designs are so ugly as well because so for example the fern one with the with the four you know with the southern cross and it has the blue and the black. The yeah. the blue isn't even the same shade of blue that we use on our current yeah, flag. It's, it's like this blue. really fluorescent, uh, ugly yeah. blue. It's disgusting. Yes, and the thing is, like, mm. even our interpretation of our flag, oh, the blue represents the pure ocean. Oh, well, um, we need to adopt a little bit more green tech and clean tech in order to even get that shade of blue back in if we wanted it. Like, look at the literal symbolism. There have probably been more 
people killed under that simple Union Jack in the, in the corner across all nations from India, Australia, America, under that symbol of British imperialism. We should do away with it. I'd be, we should have a decent... I'd be fine with just cutting the Union Jack, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah, just keep right the stars. The Actually, Southern Cross. Oh, based. In the middle, maybe. So bad. But with the same sh shape and same colour. Now, let's just take up the, the constellation Matariki and stick it on our flag. We are a constellation of stars. Who's got the better? Okay, who's got the better star design? Do we have the better stars or Australia? Absolutely, we do. Based, yeah, yeah, we do. Good opinion. Uh, yeah, we far and away have. All right, the better I star think design. we got to wrap up because someone's going to be coming in for their show soon. Um, Celeb Goss from Two to Four. Yeah, I just plugged someone else's show. But uh, I'd like to thank David for coming along. Uh, anything you want to say? Plug. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Uh, anything you want to say, Tanith? Oh, just a simple quote. It's by Noam Chomsky. Based. The smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion, but allow for very lively debate within that spectrum. Even encourage the most critical and dissident views. That gives people the sense that there's free thinking going on, while all the time the presuppositions of the system are being reinforced by the limits that put people on the range of the debate. And uh, I just want to say thanks for listening. Um, also... Free Palestine, based. Mm -hmm.